Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. much for tuning in with us online this morning. I hope that you're warm wherever you are and comfortable. And uh, we're going to jump right into the message this morning. So last week we saw the tragic story of the Israelites literally standing at the edge of the doorway of the promised land. And they began to look at all these possible difficulties, not even, not even realities at this point, but just possibilities of things they were going to go through. And they allowed those things, those fears, those doubts to keep them out of the very land that God had promised to give to them. Now, In your reading plan, you'll go through and you'll begin to see that how they pay the consequences for those actions and for that unbelief. And from that point, they will wander through the wilderness following God around for the next 40 years, essentially waiting for that generation, that unbelieving generation to literally die off. And it's, it's a tragic scene because, one, not only does this generation die and not get to enter the promised land, but the younger generations have to wait those 40 years to experience God's promises because of the previous generation's failures and unbelief. So in the meantime, though God continues to instruct His people, He continues to give many, many laws and commands and reveals His standards of holiness as He speaks through Moses to these people. And in your reading plan this week, you're going to break over into the book of Deuteronomy, which essentially this book is a legal document that lays out all of of God's law, all of God's standards. It was often quoted by Jesus. I think Jesus probably had most, if not all, of the book of Deuteronomy memorized. And so in the opening chapters of Deuteronomy, in chapter 6, it's where we're going to be this morning, we find a passage that's so central to Jewish life. This passage was one from which Jesus did quote on several occasions. And when He was asked by those around Him, what's the greatest command in God's law? This is where Jesus went back to. He doesn't just make up an answer. He goes back to the heart of God's law, back to the Old Testament, back to Scripture, and answers that question using the very Word of God. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 12 this morning. The Bible says, This is the command, the statutes and ordinances, the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all His statutes and commands that I'm giving you, your son and your grandson, so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, or hear, O Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. 
Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your head and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. So this is one of a select number of Scripture passages that would have been very, very familiar to every Jewish boy, every Jewish girl growing up. And it forms part of what we call the Shema, this scriptural prayer that's recited by faithful Jews. And throughout the law, there are going to be many, many requirements. And over time, God's people are going to essentially reinterpret God's laws and God's standards. They're going to add to them. They're, they're basically going to add layers to them and, and make God's standards and God's laws even more cumbersome to the people than it, they already are. Uh, and what happens is, is while they do this, while the teachers of the law put this on the people and they, they, they encourage people to live holy and, and to obey God's law, they pass over some of the more important things like love God with all your heart and love other people. So Jesus had a real problem with this. Jesus thought this was incredibly hypocritical. And so when Jesus begins to teach in His ministry, His teachings sound almost contrary to what God's law says because the people had got so far away from what God's law really is. And what's actually happening is Jesus actually teaches God's standards the way that they were to be rightly interpreted. And the teachers of the law in Jesus' day had gotten so far from that, so far from a correct understanding of God's standards and God's law, that when they hear the correct interpretation, when they hear Jesus say, you've heard it said this way, but here's what I say, they think that He's teaching something totally different when in fact He's actually teaching the Word of God. And so let's break down this passage in Deuteronomy 6. There's three major sections here. First is that there's only one God. That's Yahweh, one God. Secondly, we're to love Him. And then, lastly, He instructs us how we are to love Him. So first thing, there is only one God. Now that seems so simple to us. Duh, preacher, there's only one God. We got it. We know that. But we've got to remember, we're not surrounded by idol worship like people were in Jesus' day or like the Israelites were. Nor did we spend 430 years surrounded by false gods in this pagan place called Egypt. But this was a revolutionary idea during this day that there's only one real God. And there's several implications of this. First, it's a reminder that there truly was no other God to these people, that Yahweh alone is the one true living God. And all the statues, all the different carved images, even the golden calf that God's people actually made, all these things made up by man to worship can never be or never take the place of Creator God and can never even come close to comparing to Him. No other God... As elaborate as they may make, no other God was able to part the Red Sea. No other God was able to bring those, those ten plagues down on Egypt. No other God was able to provide for these people when they were in need or to fight for these people. There was only and is only one God. And not only that, if you look at the language, what he's saying here is not only is there just one God, but there's only one God for these people. 
There is to be no other people. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. He's our God. He is the God of His chosen people. He's the only God that's for them. The Bible says, God Himself says, He's jealous for them, just like we sang a few minutes ago. And even though they will run from Him, even though they will turn their backs on Him and fail Him, God will fight for them and He will go after them and take them back like a faithful husband and a loving father. He wants to be known as the God of these people. And He wants to be known as our God too. Now, I don't know about you, but that's humbling to me to think that Almighty God wants to be known as my God. And because there's no other God, here in Deuteronomy it says, this God is to be feared. It says, do this so that you may fear the Lord your God. You see, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. False gods, fake gods, they do nothing to incite fear and holy reverence of themselves. But this God, Creator God, is to be feared and to be worshipped and to be obeyed. And this brings wisdom. The Bible says this brings about its own set of blessings. He says if you do this... You will prosper. You will multiply. You will have a long life in the land that I'm, I'm giving you. And so again, understanding that God alone is God, I think that's easy for us today to think, yeah, okay, there's only one God. There, there can't be another. It's easy for us in, in 2020 to kind of accept that because it's like we're so far removed from people worshiping things and people worshiping idols and, and making up things and pretend gods to worship. But what if we take this understanding that the Lord alone is God and we go back to just that very first commandment. When the Lord says, have no other gods besides me. Yeah, I'm all, I am God alone, but still have no other gods but me. And so on one hand, we think, well, of course there's no other God. But then on the other hand, we've got to think, well, wait a minute. What other things in my life gets treated just as good, if not better, than God does? What in my life gets more of my time than I give to God? What in my life gets more of my energy, gets more of my money than God does? What gets more of my attention throughout my day and my week than I give to God? And we say, yeah, of course we only have one God, but how often does that one God only get just a few minutes of our time in prayer and conversation? You see, this is where it starts, is understanding there truly is only one God. This God designed you, that He created you, that He loved you and redeemed you when you fell. And yet, more often than not, I think we, like these people, these Israelites, we give our hearts to other things and to other people and even to other false gods. So what do we do about this? Well, He gives us the answer. He gives us the remedy in verse 5. This is what God really wants from you. God wants your love. Love the Lord your God. People often ask, well, what does God, what does He want with my life? What's he want from me? What can I give back to God who's created me and done all this for me? Well, this right here, Jesus says, if you think about it, God himself came to earth and said, if you do one thing, you have to do this. Love the Lord your God. This was so important. It's the most important part of, of all of it. Everything that we do, everything in our lives hinges on this right here, getting this right. Loving God with everything in us. And we've got we to grasp the magnitude of this kind of love that God is demanding and expecting from us. Because <laughs> I think in our culture, even in our language, we have so cheapened the concept of what love really is and what love looks like. And I think this is all just part of 
the devil's plot to deceive us from what true love looks like. For example, our language, English has what? One word for, for love. But think about how that one word for love has so many different meanings. So many different levels. You know, I, I, I've said this before, and I think most people in our church understand this now. I love cookies. I love chocolate chip cookies. I love them. Love them so much. But at the same time, I love my mama. And I love my wife. And I love my children. And I love my truck. And I love my job and my church. But do I love all these things the same? No, of course not. If I did, I'd be a really weird person. There are, it's a different kind of love, but we use the same language. And what I'm getting at is we throw this word around so loosely that I think over time we as a people have lost much of what it means to truly love something or someone the way that God intended us to. We've reduced it to something that we feel or something that we fall into and fall out of. But God teaches us that not only is that cheap love, but it's certainly not the way that we're to love Him. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. In other words, you're to love Yahweh your God with every ounce of every fiber of your being, everything that you are. Love Him with all your heart. That means love Him with, with your intellect, with your emotions, with your entire will and, and being. Love Him with your soul. Love Him with your entire person, your, your, your essence and your character. Love Him with all your strength or might, which it literally means love Him very, very, very much. If you break it down to the simplest form, to love God with all your strength means you just love Him big, as sometimes our kids say to us. Loving God this way is so much more than a feeling. It's even more than a choice. It goes even farther than that. It's loving God on a covenantal level where you are wholeheartedly pledging to God your allegiance and your loyalty to Him alone in obedience. And that's what this love really looks like. It's a submission to the only God in love and obedience. And that's how God tells us we're to show our love to Him. We are to obey Him at all costs. Moses, the great lawgiver, tells us all the ways that we are supposed to live up to God's expectations, to live up to God's holy standards. And notice verse 6. He says, These things are first and foremost to beware in your heart. The rest of it's great. The rest of it's good. I mean, I mean, think about what he's saying. We need to pass these teachings along to our children and our grandchildren and to future generations. And the people will end up emphasizing all these following verses more than they do verses 5 and verse 6. And by Jesus' day, the people would literally have these little boxes that they would put a piece of Scripture in. They'd, they'd affix that to the, to the doorway going into a room. And, and if you go to Israel, to the Holy Land today, there's actually, if you go into a lot of rooms, like a hotel room, there'll be a little box on the door. And, and I'll be honest, at first I was like, what are all these little tiny boxes on the doors? It's a tiny little box with Scripture in it. Then they would also affix it to their, to their wrists. They tie them to their wrists with phylacteries or to their foreheads. And what they do is they have all these outward symbols of obedience and appreciation for God's Word. But here's the real problem. It may have been on their doors. It may have been on their wrists. It may have been on their foreheads. It may have even been in their minds as they memorized God's Word. But it was not in their hearts like verse 6 says. And Jesus said that these people... 
They would do all these things just to be seen, just to give the appearance of being holier than you, holier than everybody else. But on the inside, he says, you're hypocritical. You're rotten. And they forgot the most important part of God's law, which Jesus aptly reminded them. And he said, you all need to get back to the basics. You you, you got all this stuff that you're doing, but you need to love God. Yeah, you love His law, but you, you only apply it outwardly. You need to apply it to your heart. You need to love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And all those laws that as we go through and we'll read these things about how we're supposed to treat other people and treat foreigners that are among us. And it all goes back to, to one thing. Love God, but love people as yourself. Now, that, that part's another lesson for another day. But first, we've got to get this one right, because I don't think you can love people unless you love God the way that God ought to be loved. So what does it look like? Well, we said it means to obey Him, and I think that's the biggest part of it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey me. And this is why the teaching aspect of the great commission that Jesus gives us is so important. Because just as we see in this passage, we too must teach our children and our grandchildren and other believers everything that Christ has commanded so that they too can be obedient to Him in fulfilling the great commission. So if I ask you, do you love the Lord? Everybody watching, everybody in the room is going to say, absolutely, I love the Lord. I love God. No doubt about it. But if I ask you, well, how is your obedience these days? We might have to think about that a little more. And you can't truly say you love God if you're disobedient to Him. But if you love Him, you truly love Him, not only will He get your time, not only will He get your talents, not only will He get your treasures... It'll get your whole heart. And you will be obedient as you follow Him every single day. So, I'll leave you with this. I appreciate you tuning in this morning. My my application is this. is, Is where in your life today, on March 13th, 2022, where in your life do you need to be more obedient to God? Are you obedient to God in your church life? Are you obedient to God in your personal life? When you're outside of church, when there's nobody else around, are you, have, you, have you been obedient in taking that first step in the waters of baptism and, and following the example of Christ? Are you obedient with all the resources, the, the talents and the treasures that God has trusted you with? Are you uh, uh, obediently serving Him? Are, are you obedient in your role as a father, as a mother, as a spouse, as a child? Can you honestly say when you put all those things into take all those things into consideration that you truly love the Lord your God, not just feeling that love, but you love him with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. I think that's one thing that we need to get back to as a church. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather Virtually, Lord, as the church, when we are um, not able to due to weather or due to sickness, God, we thank you for giving us the ability to come together, even online, to worship together, to turn to your word together, because we love you. And God, it's my prayer that we would love you more and more every single day of our lives, Lord, that we would learn how to love you with everything in us. And God, we know that we love you because the Bible says you loved us first. 
And you sent your son to die for us, to die on our behalf, that we could have a relationship with you, Father. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone watching this morning that's never experienced that love, and they don't have a relationship with Jesus, Lord, that you would save them even in their living room or wherever they are. God, we do love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close in a song this morning. And I just encourage you, if you're watching and God has spoke to your heart this morning, and just, just click in those comments and just leave us a message about what you got out of this sermon this morning. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.